to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And on today's episode, I'm excited because we're going to be joined by a very special guest. We're going to be joined by none other than Carl Schoening. You might hear him on Spurs React on the Ticket 760 sometimes and on WAI 1200 as he talks everything's all things Spurs with Chris Duell uh, after, you know, the Spurs games. He kind of comes in and he's our, our, our Spurs savant. I believe that's what Chris Duell has given you, that acronym, Carl. So thank you for joining us today. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing good, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris is usually a little over the top and always calls me a basketball savant and things such as that. So, yeah, he, um, yeah, he's real nice to bring me on with all of those nice words. And, uh, yeah, that, that's always a good time when um, uh, covering the Spurs back in the regular season and postseason. I wish it went a little longer, but yeah, that was uh, that was a good first year of me covering the team with the credential for WOAI. Yeah, it was it was a it was interesting season last season, and things may not have ended the way we wanted, but you know what? All in all, I was glad that the Spurs were in the postseason. They made a run of things, you know. It just didn't work out, but we're here to talk about what's going to be happening this coming season. But before we dive in there, I want to talk a little bit about this new uh, Tony Parker shoe that's going to you know, be dropping here shortly. Peak released uh, preliminary photos of this new of this new kick. You know, this new sneaker is called the TP97. And what makes this shoe so unique is that it's done up in a Fiesta colorway, you know, where in the past we see, you know, you know, the stereotypical Spurs player comes out and. And, you know, the shoe is nice. It has a good design. It's either black, it's silver, it's white. Maybe a little tiny splash of color, but this kind of broke the mold. I mean, this is, and I'm sure you've seen it already, Carl. It has color all over the place, and it's quite eye-catching. I, I like it. You know, even the inside of the box, when they had the unveiling of it, the inside of the box had the same colorway as the outside of the shoe. Even the insert. The midsole that's inside the shoe had that same colorway. What did you think? What were your first impressions of this shoe? I, I thought it was quite eye-catching. Some people like it. Some people don't. Well, what are your thoughts, Carl? Yeah, it's very retro Spurs Fiesta colors. Uh, I think a lot of people have been begging for some throwbacks to that. And it's funny. I kind of remember it not going over so well when they were the team's primary colors. And then almost instantly from I think like 0102 when they changed to strictly silver and black everybody loved almost everybody wanted the fiesta colors kind of back as a retro kind um uh, throwback days and nowadays with the way that shoes are allowed in the NBA to be a little more colorful and not necessarily uniform I could definitely see those making their way to somebody's feet on the spurs and I, I really think that those are going to be a popular sell in San Antonio. And uh, I think uh, uh, also internationally, it's always going to be very popular in France. Tony Parker is like Michael Jordan over there. So w whenever he releases a shoe, I'm almost sure they sell very well in the French area where he's really popular. Belgium, too, probably. Yeah, you know, and that's the weird thing, though, is because this shoe is, like you said, peak is what, a Chinese manufacturer. So... It comes out in China first, and then it trickled down to Korea, which were which is where I saw it. I saw it on YouTube of all places uh, with this uh, guy that I follow. That you know he uh, goes ahead and has these unboxing of shoes, and he does his review on them. And that's where I saw him 
take them out. And then I started doing a search and this shoe was hard to find here in the States. It, it went from China to Korea, then it trickled down to Russia, Germany. And finally, we're starting to get maybe a couple pairs here in the States. So it's it's scarce. You know, people are, are you really can't even find um, photos of this shoe online. They're They're really hard to find unless you know what to look for. You know, so I got lucky in that regard, but I'm looking forward to, to to getting a pair of these shoes and no word yet from Peak. They haven't given a price point. They haven't given a, a date that the shoe's going to drop. But as you alluded to, I'm sure Spurs fans, when they see this, they're going to want it. So you know what? You're going to have to put your pre-orders in because I'm pretty sure this is going to be a highly sought after uh, collector's item. So, you know, as well as I do, Carl, that once it hits eBay, you know, those prices are going to be inflated hugely, you know? Oh, exactly. And if they, for whatever reason, didn't hit the American market, I feel like they'd be missing out on a lot of potential sales, at least in San Antonio. Who knows how well those would go over in Charlotte, the little time that Tony spent there. But definitely they should be sold in select stores in San Antonio. And I bet you they would probably sell out day one. They seem like they're they're cool enough. I, I've actually owned a pair of Tony Parker Peak shoes. They are not for your everyday wear, and I think that those should be a bit more for your everyday wear. Maybe you could wear them on the court. They, the ones that I got were strictly basketball shoes. They weren't particularly comfortable just to walk around in, but they gave you a lot of support when you played basketball in them, and I think those Peak shoes would really go well with some Fiesta throwback jerseys. Hopefully Nike can get on them and do those Fiesta colors justice. And we'll, we'll see if that ever makes a little bit of a comeback, but uh, it would really have been exciting had Nike released these. I think Tony was a Nike athlete at one point before he went with peak because Nike is in charge of the Spurs jerseys. And if there's two Spurs uniforms that I think fans have been wanting, it's the throwback George Gervin, San Antonio across the chest and kind of rainbow font. And some variation, nothing too over the top, a nice touch of color mixture from the Fiesta colors. That would be really nicely done with the Nike uniforms. But it's a gamble because definitely when you get colorful, people will either love it or hate it. There isn't too much of an in-between there. That is the truth. You know, you can't you can't satisfy everyone. And this is what Spurs fans have been begging for, some type of throwback. Uh, jersey when you know nike releases the the city jerseys and and we always get the 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 homage to uh you know military because we're a military city first and foremost here in san antonio and that's that's probably what we're going to wind up getting but i'm sure that they'll have some variations in the fan shop to still satisfy that need for for the fan who wants a little splash of color so something definitely to look forward to but let's go ahead and segue into our next segment here and what I really wanted to talk about is I wanted to talk about this youth movement that the Spurs are on. Uh, quietly under the radar, they've been getting younger and younger and younger. Uh, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what went on in the Summer League, because I know you were there covering it. And we got to see some of these draft picks that the Spurs uh, drafted recently in the NBA draft. We got to see a little bit of uh, Lucas Samanich. We got to see Keldon Johnson. And we got to see Q, like he likes to be called, Quindary Weatherspoon. And you had a, a really good first-hand look at, at all these guys. What were your impressions with the 
with this younger uh, generation of Spurs player? Well, I guess we can start with this year, 2019's draft, uh, first round draft picks in Keldon Johnson and uh, Luca. And I think that those two guys have, uh, they're, they're both 19. That, that's the main thing to keep in mind when you're looking at expectations. So th- there's a couple things that you can look at. Most men don't finish maturing until they're 21. So despite Luca being a legitimate 6'11", like I, I was looking up at him. He was definitely not somebody who's listed at 6'11 because he was wearing platform shoes or anything. He's definitely closer to seven foot than uh, most of those guys. Like Thomas Robinson looked like he might have been 6'8", but Luka Shamanich was definitely closer to seven foot. And uh, Keldon Johnson, who is not a full 6'6", but I think he is a legitimate 6'6". If you, you kind of catch my drift, like in shoes, he definitely is there. He has like a 6'10 wingspan, so that's real. But both of those guys, I, I think, could probably end up growing a couple more inches. Definitely have some really solid frames that they can fill into. Uh, I think Keldon Johnson already has a good size NBA body, but it's going to be fun to watch him actually get to spend some time being a professional athlete and developing with professional trainers and nutrition support, as well as Luka Shamanich, who I think he had, uh, I think he has a really solid frame in his upper body. His lower body is a little more filled out than his upper body. You can't always tell that because of shorts, but he is athletic. Like he wants to dunk every time he gets to the rim. He likes to put the ball on the floor and he can get past those slower footed big men defenders. I I really think that Shamanich has a lot of upside. He has a high ceiling and also, I think Keldon Johnson can be somebody who, if he were to get some opportunities with the Spurs in San Antonio, he can go ahead and probably contribute. So he has a high motor and he likes to play defense. And those two things can translate really well into getting opportunities in San Antonio. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I like everything that I saw out of these young players, you know, in the Spurs Summer League. Unfortunately, the Spurs didn't go as far as we wanted them to in the Summer League. But I like the effort that they put up. I mean, one of the games that they lost, which could have put them over the top, they only lost by like one or two points. So they were competing. You know, there, there wasn't like complete blowouts, you know, every single game. The, these guys were up there competing. And I remember specifically there was one game, Carl, where they were down by as many as 20 plus points. They came back and made a game of it. And they made a late push to, to you know, almost take the lead in the waning moments of the fourth quarter. So you like that effort that you're seeing out of these young players. Uh, and, you know, like you alluded to, they're only going to wind up getting better, especially when they transition from summer league to getting healthy minutes over, you know, with the with the G League or with, you know, over in the Austin Spurs, which is something that you cover as well. So that's going to be interesting to see. I know a lot of these fans, you know, they're going to want to see these players already in uniform day one out there on the court contributing to the team. But it's not the Spurs way. The Spurs way is to develop players and get them that skill set, you know, that they need uh, to be at before they can actually uh, be able to fully uh, be able to to help the team out. So we know that it's a process. We got to trust it because you know what, Carl, the Spurs have been great for the last 20 plus years because of this process. So it's something that I think fans just need to be patient with. Uh, these younger players are going to have their time, no doubt. So I'm looking forward to when that does happen. But I'd like to talk a little bit, too, about some of the newer acquisitions that the Spurs got uh, in the offseason. They got a Damari Carroll and they got Trey Lyles. 
So unfortunately, we had to say bye, you know, to Davis. But I think I like these acquisitions that the Spurs got. You know, I think it gives them a little bit uh, of of defense, you know, which is something that they were kind of missing last season. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Damari Carroll and, and Trey Lyles? I definitely like the Damari Carroll signing. I think the Spurs could use that kind of defensive and three and D depth at the wing. Obviously he has been a pretty solid player all over the place between Atlanta and Brooklyn. And uh, he comes highly recommended by former Spurs uh, executives and coaches such as Mike Budenholzer and Sean Marks. So when you get those kind of boat of confidence from former uh, Spurs organization people, I think that really does go ahead and push the, okay, yeah, we were, we liked him before, but now that we've gotten confirmation to go after him, that that's a really good move. And I think he signed a three year, $7 million deal, something along those uh, 7 million per year deal. And that's a really team friendly contract. He's a good veteran presence who I think brings some toughness. So, you never know where you you might need him, but I think you can pretty much put him in any slot there on the wing. He, he has a good frame. He's really physically well-built, so definitely a good pickup with Damari Carroll. And Trey Lyles is an interesting case because he was somebody who had a good couple of years in Utah, and he was the 12th overall pick, if I'm not mistaken. And then the, the Jazz really liked Donovan Mitchell, and they were willing to part with someone like Trey Lyles, who uh, is a really young developing stretch for, and they went ahead and moved him to Denver for the pick that would eventually be used on Trey Lyles. And then he just got caught up in the numbers game there in Denver because they obviously have a really good young core of players and a good front court. They're also waiting and have high expectations for Michael Porter Jr., who I think on paper does a lot of the same things in terms of a skill set that Trey Lyles does. So they, they were really just kind of caught. It wasn't that they didn't want Trey Lyles. It was that they already had other players like him. And in the NBA, it's a numbers game. You you have to realize that uh, floor spacers, floor spacing big men is kind of a niche position that you do need. Yet how many of them do you need? And they went ahead and went with uh, Michael Porter Jr. instead of keeping Trey Lyles around. And uh, even though he kind of had a down year in Denver, he is somebody who I think is still 23 years old. Maybe he'll be 24 sometime during the season. I, I don't know his birth date off the top of my head, but he goes in with that youth movement we were talking about earlier. And Trey Lyles has a lot of uh, potential left to be tapped into and put him into the Spurs system, give him some good coaching along the Spurs organization and uh, put in the fact that because of the Bertans trade, there is some minutes opened up for a four spacing three, four Trey Lyles can come in. And I, I think as someone who didn't necessarily get what he wanted in terms of a big second contract, because that's what you hear about from these young guys. They, they, they a lot of times it's important to leave college early because the people around them are saying you want to get to that second contract as quickly as possible. Trey Lyles had his uh, uh, qualifying offer rescinded from him during this offseason. So thus, he wasn't a restricted free agent. You lose a little bit of leverage. But the Spurs, I really think, got a steal in him. And uh, I really enjoy having uh, 
this young core built around a lot of players such as DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker. And you can go ahead and throw him in in the 25 and under club that the Spurs are building, which is pretty much more than half of their roster at this point. So I, I think that really Trey Lyles was a super solid pickup. Let me check real quick. I'm going to pull up his basketball reference page because I want to say he had some really good years from beyond the arc in Utah and uh, that first year in Denver. Yeah, because um, let me go ahead and find it real quick. Yeah, he shot from three, 38% as a rookie, uh, 32% in his sophomore year, uh, but then back up to 38% with Denver and this year he didn't really get too much of a run. He only played 64 games in the previous three years. He had at least played 70 games and yeah, I, I really do think that Trey Lyles is a high ceiling kind of guy. And uh, overall he's efficient enough of a scorer. He, uh, if I go to his per, um, uh, per game totals, which for some reason is not popping up here on basketball reference. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely somebody that uh, I think the Spurs kind of got lucky in, in a way. Obviously, there was a lot more going on before uh, he was picked up, but he, he has a lot of potential. He's a 6'10", 240-pound individual who, yeah, he'll be 24 this upcoming season. He turns 24 November 5th. And overall, I, I think he's a hungry guy. I've been following him on Instagram and he wants to really make an impact in this league. So I want to see how he does. And I just see it here on basketball references. Nickname is Trey Mamba. So <laughs> hopefully he can uh, go ahead and live up to that kind of nickname and uh, so solid career to this point. Maybe not where he wants to be, but definitely excited to have him and Shamanich as kind of the stretch force to see how they come in and play with uh, the Spurs organization. Yeah, one of the things that also stands out, because I had already uh, pulled up his, his stats, um, is his uh, ability to, to rebound. You know, he's averaging, I believe, 3.2 rebounds uh, a game, you know, so for the season, for the 2018-19 season, which is something that the Spurs are needing. You know, they uh, at times get to, you know, when they have that 50-50 ball, it usually goes the other way. There's instances where they can't capitalize on that, but it's better to have these guys out there that can go ahead and help you at least tip the ball, get the rebound, and give those give the Spurs those second and third opportunities to score, especially during tough situations, you know, especially during crunch time, during tough games when the games are really close. Because let's face it, the Western Conference has gotten more and more stacked. Uh, I believe now the favorite probably to win it all in the West is going to be the Clippers. And then, you know, the Lakers have gotten better. You have the Jazz that are getting better. The Denver Nuggets are, are you know, going to be coming back strong again. And you have the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, they might have lost a piece or two, but they're still a, a good a good team at their core. Uh, so you have all these teams making pushes. So you need everything that you, you can get. And I think that Trey Lyles right now, being so young, he has a lot of potential. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can contribute in game time situations, specifically, you know, when the Spurs are getting, you know, in trouble, you know, maybe in that third quarter where, you know, the, the legs aren't as fresh anymore. We need some some people with energy to come off that bench. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what type of dynamic player 
uh, he's going to wind up flourishing uh, into this coming season. And I also like the acquisition, as we had, he had stated as well, as uh, Damari Carroll. I think he's a very savvy veteran. I believe this is going to be his 15th season uh, coming into the 2019-2020 season. And he's averaging, I believe, 11.1 points per game. So he can put up some points, and he has that veteran leadership that we we really uh, admire here in San Antonio. So I, I like these two pickups. I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to fit in the scope of, of the Spurs system and how well the Spurs are going to do this season. You know, specifically, we've had a lot of Spurs fans uh, going crazy over here. I'm going to be honest with you, Carl. A lot of Spurs fans are saying the Spurs are going to win 60 games. They're going to win 63 games. And I was like, you know what? I would want them not to lose any games <laughs> the whole season. But we all know that over the course of an 82-game season, that's near impossible for a team to win almost every single game. So to me, I think the Spurs are going to be a, a much improved team. And I think with uh, adding Tim Duncan, because that's another thing that I wanted to talk about uh, with you right now, Tim Duncan is going to change this this team you know he's, he offers that leadership he has so much experience that he can pass on to this younger generation of of player and even though he might not be in the games just being there on the sideline and in these hectic situations can offer that leadership that the Spurs were kind of needing last season I mean what were your thoughts on that when you you found out that uh, Tim Duncan had joined the coaching staff yeah <laughs> Um, obviously, uh, we were all kind of curious as to what would happen when Ime Udoka and Edere Messina were leaving the team and in comes Tim Duncan to, uh, be probably the biggest free agent ac acquisition of the summer. And he is not a player <laughs> because <laughs> I, I think that's one of those things where the Spurs obviously would love to have potentially potentially and arguably the greatest player of all time in there on the bench to bring that kind of intensity. You talk about the young players who have had him around, uh, such as Lonnie Walker and DeJounte Murray. Even though they didn't get to play with him, they still love having his impact in the Spurs locker room when he would occasionally come occasionally come to practice. And um, overall, yeah, it's it's Tim freaking Duncan. Because he's somebody who brings that winning mentality. He has records that will probably never be broken in terms of regular season winning. He is somebody who is probably one of the most decorated players of all time. And you really look at his total body of work, he'll probably go down as the greatest player of his generation. Quietly, obviously. He didn't quite get the media fanfare that someone like a LeBron James or a Kobe Bryant will, but to have never lost fewer than, or never uh, had less than 50 wins on a season every year, 50 wins, except for that 99 season where he still had a really high winning percentage because the 55 game season, even that shortened, uh, what was it? I think 66 game lockout year. They yeah. still won 50 games. That was phenomenal. Uh, you, you look at the 73 win year Warriors, the Spurs had like 67 wins and they, they were kind of quietly pushed aside because unfortunately Duncan had swelling in the knee that he could never really get back down. And I think that was what he said was kind of the determining factor of it's time to hang it up because at a certain point, the heart is willing, but the body is not necessarily capable of keeping up with that 82 game grind. And 
his heart is still in the game. If he, he, he said until the wheels fell off and the wheels fell off in his thought process, obviously, but his, his heart's still there. And I think having that kind of heart around a team that is very young and is looking for basically its first 50 win season as a group would definitely be great to have around. And I think it's great for Greg Popovich, who we, we always kind of wonder how much longer does Pop have just because he's getting up there in years, not because of any coaching necessary coaching uh, mistakes or uh, anything along those lines. But obviously I, I think Pop will turn 70 this year if he's not already 70. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you just, you just wonder those kind of things and having, Somebody like Tim Duncan, who I think if you were to ask both of them, uh, they're probably best friends uh, in in life as somebody who will be your companion for how many ever seasons Pop has left, or at least for this year. I think that's a great thing for all parties involved. And it'll be really fun to have Tim Duncan on the sidelines and mentoring all of these young players. And, uh, you know, not even just the young players, a player like DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, they, they're all stars in their own right, great players in uh, their own accolades. They, they could always learn from a player like Tim Duncan, who was just, you know, granted I'm biased, but you, you talk about somebody who was a contender every year that he touched a basketball uh, from the moment he entered the NBA until the day he retired. He is uh, somebody who in 19 years, has an unprecedented run, uh, the greatest power forward of all time for sure, and uh, I, I love having him around. You talk about 60 wins, that, that that's a little bit uh, out of uh, my potential. Like if that were the over-under in Vegas, I would probably uh, go for the under, but you do look at this roster, and if you're not from San Antonio, you might not think this, but it's a high ceiling roster. DeJounte Murray, who was second team all defense, his second year in the NBA, coming back from his ACL injury, he looks like he is ready and hungry for a very tremendous season. He's filled out his frame. He has been working on his shot. Uh, he obviously was already a good defender. And th this is going to be, I think, the DeJounte Murray breakout year we were hoping last year would be. And Obviously, Derek White had his coming out party in the first round against the Denver Nuggets, and he's going to be stepping into a more solid role, uh, supposing everybody stays healthy. He, he might be sort of the new Manu Ginobili as the sixth man, but if he also gets a start, he, he really does compliment DeJounte Murray or DeMar DeRozan in the backcourt. And Obviously, we look at some of those players like LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan who are really good isolation scorers, and I don't think much of that will really change as they get a little older. So I, I like that we have a really well-balanced roster. Are the Spurs as star-studded as some teams? No, but also I think it's really good for the league that the Warriors broke up, the Beatles broke up essentially right there. And now there can be a new top team in the NBA and it, the West is wide open. I think that's part of the reason you see so much of the, these players opting out of the FIBA play and the NBA is wide open in general, the, the Eastern conference and the Western conference teams that were represented in the finals are both scattered uh, across the league. So 
Uh, obviously, there is plenty of work to do across every team, whatever issues you might have. But I think we're setting up for a super exciting NBA season here as we enter the uh, NBA world of dynamic duos instead of super teams. And the Spurs, you know, obviously, if you were to say who are the Spurs' top two players, you would probably think Marcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. But that, that the Spurs might actually be the closest thing to a super team in the NBA when it's all said and done this year. And I say that with silver and black glasses on. <laughs> I like that. You know, I like that. They could be the the under the radar, flying under the radar super team, you know, once they, they start really hitting their stride this upcoming season. <laughs> I like that, Carl. I'm going to go ahead and for sure. Yeah, because, you know, I, I, I talk about it as obviously you look at the Spurs roster and the majority of their potential all stars are on their rookie deals. Still there, you look at Derek White, you look at DeJounte Murray and even Lonnie Walker to a certain extent, they, they all have high ceilings and it's a matter of are they going to reach them? Well, they're under 25. So give it a little time. They haven't entered. <laughs> what is considered the prime of their career and uh, the, the youth movement, the, the Spurs development and the way they just bring in these guys while a lot of teams draft 19 year olds and throw them right into the NBA. And they don't know how to be leaders because they never had their upperclassmen years in college. The Spurs really gave them bet opportunities in the G league and really put good high quality characters and veterans and coaches around these guys. So, this is the new era for the Spurs, the post-Tim Duncan era. We were all kind of wondering, would the Spurs eventually fall off? And I, I don't think they will. And then it's also a fallacy to think that uh, a lottery pick will help because there are plenty of teams who sputter in the lottery. And if you even look at the Philadelphia 76ers during the whole process, they probably had, oh, I'm going to guess seven lottery picks. And maybe three of them have worked out, including the top first overall pick, Markel Fultz. He he's still on his rookie deal and he's already on a new team. So the the way the Spurs have rebuilt is just amazing. I, I love it. And I think overall, the Spurs fans should be excited about this year. And uh, of course, health is always the key. If the Spurs were healthy last year, I think it's very possible they could have gotten the two seed. And yeah. Uh, as health always being the key, had they put, gotten the two seed and played the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals without Kevin Durant, they could have been represented in the NBA Finals. And it, obviously we can speculate in, all, all day long, but th this Spurs team is not just the team that was the seven seed last year. Get this team healthy, get this team on the court. It might be some early growing pains uh, considering you're trying to still figure out players' roles, but by the end of this season, I think the Spurs could if potentially be the best team in the NBA, and they might not have the most top-heavy talent on paper, but just let these young guys develop and give them a couple of years and see where the Spurs are at. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, I agree. I agree with everything you just finished saying. Uh, one of the things I wanted to point out is uh, where the Spurs are heading right now. Currently, they're on a on a two-year timeline. Uh, what I mean by that is. The veterans uh, that are leading the way for the Spurs right now and, you know, kind of taking on those uh, key roles while these younger players develop, you have players in LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, and Damari Carroll. All their contracts are going to be expiring in the summer of 2021, which is, you know, 
right around the time where we're probably going to wind up seeing uh, this younger generation of Spurs players uh, start to develop really come and come into their own and be able to really put some very productive minutes out there for the team moving forward. And, and like I had tweeted out earlier, I like the direction that the Spurs are going. I like the future, uh, you know, that's laid out for the team right now. And what I'll even like even more, Carl, is the average age right now for the Spurs. Uh, they It has gotten younger. Uh, I believe at one time they might have been averaging somewhere in maybe like a 30, 31 years of age uh, as far as the, the average age per player uh, on the team. Now it's uh, right around 29, 26 years old, which it goes to show you that that youth movement is already here. And in the next two years, these younger generation of players are going to be the ones that we're going to start seeing. We're going to start seeing these stars coming into their own and we're going to see the new, you know, uh, let's say Tim Duncan's and Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili's, which we're never going to see those types of talents again, but we're going to start seeing these, these, these younger players really start shining. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And one of the things that I I have to say, though, it, it looks like a scary starting five for us this coming season because you have the projected starting five was going to be probably Bryn Forbes if 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 they do this, you know, in the, in the rotation somewhere. You have a Bryn Forbes, you have Derek White, you have Yaka Pertle, you have DeJounte Murray, you know, you have LaMarcus, you have Rudy Gay, you have DeMar. You, you can mix up these lineups, uh, even, you know, Damari Carroll, Patty, Patty Mills depending on what the the matchups are on any given night. But, you know, more than likely, we're going to have this really strong backcourt with, you know, uh, Derek White and, and DeJounte Murray. And to me, that's going to really be what can this dynamic duo do? Because the movement lately with the NBA is small ball. And I think that the Spurs right now, that's probably going to be their strongest suit with this backcourt. You know, we haven't really seen what they can do because we haven't seen them on the court due to DeJounte's injury. But as you had alluded to, can you imagine, Carl, what these guys can do when they are healthy and they both come back and, and play ball on the court at the same time? I'm excited. I kind of get goosebumps when I think about it. I mean, how are you feeling about that backcourt? Oh, I love it. Yeah, as you alluded to, there will probably never be another Tim Duncan. And um Obviously, Manu Ginobili, both as a person and as an exciting player, have their own sparks that will never be replicated. Tony Parker as well. But uh, when I just look at the skill sets, I really do think DeJounte Murray and Derek White remind me a lot of Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. Uh, Derek White is the role of Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and DeJounte Murray have similar skill sets, except DeJounte is... 6'6", six, six with a seven-foot wingspan and uh, can do a lot more defensively. And that that's almost the really exciting thing is that the Spurs have a really talented defensive group. Uh, throw Lonnie Walker in there. I think he has just as much high-level defense, high defensive instinct as Derek White and DeJounte Murray, both tremendous defenders in their own right. But I think Really, you look at Keldon Johnson. He's somebody who wants to go out there. He knows that defense is going to be how he gets on the court, and he is a smart, efficient offensive player. And then you also like what you see in Jakob Pertl, who could potentially be the Spurs' best defensive player, and I think he is the best defensive player in the front court. As If he anchors the defense, we haven't even really talked about Jakob. I think he's 
only 23 or 24 at the moment. But um, Jakob's um, advanced metrics are just off of the charts. Every lineup that he's in, he yeah, he'll be 24 this season uh, in October. But every uh, lineup that he's in is usually effective. And a lot of that has to do with those things that aren't in the box score, such as screens that he sets and those uh, rebounds that might not necessarily go right to him that he's going to be able to take that half step and then just get above the rim and grab. He is listed at seven foot two thirty, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's closer to a solid seven, one, seven, two, two forty five, two fifty, because he is a big man and he is very athletic on top of that. So uh, his efficiency around the rim, how he can defend the, the fours and the fives and even uh, switch on pick and rolls. He's not bad at re- being able to recover. If he gets beat by some of the quicker guards, he locks down the rim. I think Jakob is definitely somebody who uh, maybe some Spurs overlook when we talk about this youth movement. And then on top of it, Shamanich, who is only 19 and he might need a season in Austin, or he could just figure it all out here over the course of the first few weeks of the season. Who knows? He is supremely talented, and I think he could come in. You look at the Spurs' young starting lineup. Like, Let's go ahead and say that the Spurs had to play a game where you couldn't play anybody older than 25. They'd be sitting pretty good across the league, too. Maybe the 76ers have a better lineup of players under 25, but, man, um, you look at the Spurs potential starting lineup and then that guys that if all of a sudden you couldn't play anybody older than 25, it would be uh, probably Jakob at the center. He might still come off the bench, but I think the Spurs like what he brings uh, all around. And then if you can add in somebody like either a four spacing big in Lyles or, or obviously LaMarcus Aldridge, who's going to be starting there at either that four or that five. And then what do you do with uh, the three position? You probably go Rudy Gay or Rudy Gay could be sliding into that four spot, depending if Jakob is starting. And on top of that, do you want to go small and maybe run Brent Forbes out there as a floor spacer or as a uh, quote unquote point guard? He would probably defend the point guards because of his size and then throw Murray and DeMar at the 2-3 or even go ahead and throw Lonnie Walker in there at the 3 as if we're talking with that uh, 25 and younger or maybe moving Rudy Gay into the 4 and LaMarcus Aldridge in, into the 5 starting lineup. Um, the Spurs have a really good problem of high quality players and then all of a sudden if you want to maybe go uh, straight floor spacing and have Rudy Gay as who is a very efficient. He's not a three point shooter per se, but he's an efficient three point shooter uh, who can space the floor. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge can step out and hit the mid range jumper and stretch his threes to the corner, even the wing, if he really wanted to. I think the Spurs think he's more efficient inside 15 feet, but obviously he has the ability to pull a defender away from the rim and you have Bryn Forbes there at the shooting guard and Derek White, who's an efficient three-point shooter on the wing, then you, you you can have a really wide open floor. And then based off of who you don't start, your bench is looking pretty stacked, in my opinion. I, I really do love the Spurs youth, but also you, you forget about the crafty scorers like a Marco Bellinelli who can come in 
and play. I don't think we've mentioned Marco yet, but <laughs> uh, except maybe uh, what his contract situation is like. Uh, but uh, Marco still provides a key role here as somebody who will be one of those three-point shooters. The, the Spurs last season did not go into the league-wide craze of putting up 30 to 53 pointers a game. They would rather get quality over quantity. And the only reason they would jack up the quantity is if the other team was hitting a high efficiency number of threes while also shooting a lot of them as well. And the Spurs would kind of force be forced to play catch up to a certain extent. And that's where having players like Marco Davis and Bryn were really handy because those guys were league leaders in three-point percentage. And then this year, I, I think that really is how someone like a Keldon Johnson or Lonnie Walker get in. Can they be somebody who spaces the floor and can knock down threes above the break? And even in the corner as well, obviously, you want to be able to hit corner threes in the Spurs offense, especially if the offense isn't going to really allow you to have the ball in your hands that much. But Overall, the the Spurs have just a phenomenal lineup. I really can't get over all of it. Uh, and it, it's just a super exciting season that is going to be coming up. And here we are the last week of July talking about it. But um, whenever 2K comes out, I'm sure Spurs fans <laughs> will be salivating over how they can mix and match the talent because you can really put a lot of players a lot of different places. And um, yeah, it really will come down to who gets to start there at the center and then you work your way from there. And that could even go by a team uh, game by game basis based off of what does the opposing team go with. And I think that's some flexibility that the Spurs have that not every team has. Yeah. You know, you were talking about Lonnie Walker and I just want to talk a little bit about Lonnie Walker because I saw a video earlier today. It was released on Twitter and they were showing video of Lonnie Walker uh, working on his three point shot. And I got to tell you, uh, he looked very good in working with that three-point shot. He didn't miss. You know, he was going on for about maybe a minute, maybe a little bit less. But he was just, you know, putting up some threes and he was not missing. His shot looked very fluid. He had a good release. He had a good form uh, to his shot. You could tell he was really using those legs. He was really bending those knees. He just had a really good, solid, fluid look to him when he was just shooting those threes. So... Again, you were talking about, you know, Spurs need some of that three-point, you know, presence out there on the on the court. And with not only Lonnie Walker working on that, but also you have, you know, DeJounte Murray, who's also been, you know, seen out there working on his three-point shot. It'll be interesting. What if both of these guys come into the season and, and have a decent enough three-point shot? That could keep teams at bay, you know, where the Spurs have that opportunity to really stretch the floor because... What happened a lot of times in the past season, you know, last season, is that the Spurs would get kind of caught up with this 3-2 zone that teams would throw out at them. And really, you know, they had some some fits trying to get, you know, past that 3-2 zone because you either have to do one of two things. You really have to shoot well from beyond the arc to kind of break that up or you're going to have to be very aggressive going to the rim. So the Spurs, that kind of gave them fits. But now that we're seeing that, you know, not only DeJounte, but... You have Lonnie Walker working on this three-point shooting. That can just going to help the team get that much better this coming season. So with that said, I think we're going to have to go ahead and put a wrap on this episode of the Two Shots podcast. I know we're both excited about the upcoming season. We can't 
wait for it to start. And me personally, I know I'm looking forward to seeing some preseason games. I don't know if you're going to get the opportunity uh, to see any preseason games, Carl, but I know I'm looking forward to seeing the the Pelicans game uh, on a Sunday at 3 p.m. because I want to get the first look at this young dynamic team that everybody's been talking about. Uh, any games in the preseason that really stuck out at you, Carl, that maybe you'd be interested in seeing? Uh, you know, obviously you brought it up right there with New Orleans. Um, Zion Williamson continues to be somebody who um, I'm not quite sure what he'll be in the NBA because honestly, if you look at what he has, he's an uber athlete for sure. But I'd like to see what he actually does on an NBA court. And obviously, despite how things turned out with Anthony Davis, they got the best possible haul with for him, which includes players like a Brandon Ingram and a Lonzo Ball who have high ceilings as well. And, you know, the Pelicans are one of these low floor, high ceiling teams that I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run for winning the Southwest division because they really do have a good coach in Alvin Gentry. And overall, they have a lot of young guys, but then you, you're talking about uh, veteran shooter and J.J. Redick, who I think adds a good dynamic role for uh, being a veteran as well as a floor spacer. And they're going to need those with guys like Lonzo Ball and um, Zion Williamson. So uh, definitely excited about what the uh, NBA season has to come up. And uh, the Pelicans are one of those teams that are trying to bounce back from a down year, uh, basically a wasted year. But I think that the, the way things turned out, Pelican fans should be super excited. And I think that'll be fun that the young Spurs versus the young Pelicans is going to be that first matchup that we get to see. And um, hopefully I get to see it. But if not, you can always listen to those games on the radio. Uh, every game is on the radio broadcasts, uh, whether it's preseason, postseason, regular season. Yeah, exactly. So make sure you tune in and you support the team. Because I know I'll either be there in person or I'll be tuning in, listening to it on the radio. So before we go ahead and wrap this up, Carl, where can everybody go ahead and, and get a hold of you on, on social media and see all the great content that you got coming out, not only right now, but, you know, coming out this upcoming season as well? Yeah, shoot me a follow on Twitter at KSMedia13. And yeah, um, a lot of spurs. I went to Texas State, so some Texas State stuff in there. and. Uh, just a lot of randomness that is the app of Twitter. But uh, obviously, the Spurs are very important to what I do professionally and uh, in, in my life in general. So, yeah, if you're a fellow Spurs person, go ahead and shoot me a follow. Yeah, and you can also follow me at Two Shots Podcast across social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's all spelled out, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S podcast. So you go and make sure that you give me a follow and you also make sure you go out and follow Carl. He's a great follow on Twitter and social media. Very knowledgeable. So if you want to go ahead and engage with him in any conversations regarding the world of sports, that's the guy you want to talk to. So for Carl Schoening, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace. Peace.